Hey, this is Julia Stern, and you're listening to Not My Best, the podcast that reminds you it's okay not to perform at your best 100% of the time. When we shift the focus to become a little bit better, instead of trying to be at our best all the time, we'll accomplish a lot more and we'll have way more fun doing it. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode three of Not My Best Podcast. Merry Christmas Eve. Happy Hanukkah if you are celebrating. Thank you so much for listening again. And before I introduce my next guest, I just want to say if the sound quality on these shows have not been perfect, well, first of all, that's the exact essence of this podcast. It is not my best, but I just want you to know that I am working on it. And in 2020, we're going to have some new microphones, some new sound quality, some production elements, and it's going to be even better. So thank you for sticking around. Crank your volume up today if you need to. And without further ado, my guest today is an editor and contributor to major publications such as Goop and Mind Body Green. She also has her own podcast called Healthier Together and her own cookbook, also called Healthier Together, which really just strives to give you good food that makes you feel good, also tastes good, and without worrying about like what you look like after. And we really dive into diets today, and we dive into how to feel good and love your body. And I think it's the perfect thing to send right around the holidays when we're all eating a bunch of Christmas cookies, as we should be. So enjoy your holiday. Let me know what you think of this convo. Social, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Julia L. Stern, hashtag not my best podcast. And here is the episode with Liz Moody. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you for being here. Yeah, it's lovely. I have like a view of the Empire State Building from where this is like. I know. It's I'm so a little crazy. Brooklyn girl. I'm I've a lived now. here for like five years and all of a sudden, like, I forget about that because then I look out the window and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's out there. Oh, I feel like, like it gives you a different spoiled. vibe every night because you get like, what color are we tonight? I do. I love looking up like the different colors yeah. that things become one night over the summer or no, it was in September, the Friends 25th anniversary. They, they did had the, like a light show. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I and it went to New York City like recognizes that it's like a critical part of New York oh City God. culture. I, yeah. I watch it. It's on my Netflix like almost. Like, I literally four times a week. so I'd say once every three or four years I just start rewatching from the beginning and I just started again, like maybe two weeks ago. Are you at the point yet where you can memorize the lines? Not all of them. And season one, for some reason, never sticks, I think, because it is so terrible. It's so fresh. Yeah, they got good. And like four or five is when it starts to get really I know good. Sex and the City, too. I've been, I have a younger girlfriend who did, who's never, I mean, I wasn't even of the time of Sex and the City, but I've obviously I I went to college. college. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, That's like you so went funny. to college, you saw Sex and the exactly. City. But she didn't. And I keep trying to make her watch it, but the first few seasons are so bad she can't that get she through can't them. get through them. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, you're missing this. This huge Who do you feel like you point. identify with out of the four? Obviously, Carrie. Like, Carrie. Yeah. I'm I mean, Charlotte. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. You're like, if you looked at us next to each other, I know. I, I have like, like brown hair, hair exactly. and then you're also like, you're wearing like your sleek pony. If and we you're, ever like, want to do a remake, I feel like we're a good cast. Of- <laughs> so, besides Sex in the City, there's so much that I want to talk to you about today. I am not a diet expert, I am not a nutrition expert, and I am not a chef. My husband is like lucky if I can stick a piece of chicken in the oven for him. Um, but you've created such like a great mental space, I feel, around food. And you've made it something that is not only good for your body, but is also good for your soul. And you've created like a well-rounded picture. Thank you. Can you, you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I, I've i spent so many years as an editor in the wellness world. And because of that, I get to talk to all of the country's best doctors, which is amazing. Like I've become friends with them. I have them on speed dial. And what I find really interesting is that even the best doctors sometimes disagree about like what diet is best for you. Um, And so I think at a certain point, 
I realized that the food world was getting like so dogmatic. And I think that's in no small part due to media and people like me who need a certain amount of clicks to reach, you know, goals with their website. I think the digital media age has driven a lot of that. Capitalism has driven a lot of that. I think there's a lot of like, oh, if you don't take this mushroom powder, you're never going to be healthy. Um, And I think a lot of that's problematic. So what I want to do at my core is simplify healthy eating and make it fun. I think that stress can cause as many digestive problems as things that you eat that are so-called bad for you. And I also think what's bad for one person isn't bad for another person. Bio-individuality plays such a huge, huge role in everything. So you might eat a banana and it might make you feel amazing. And I might eat a banana and it might make me really gassy and not feeling good. So I try to get people to eat way in ways that make them feel good in their bodies and also make them excited about food. It was something that was really critical to me when I'm putting together the recipes in my cookbook and also on my website and my Instagram and stuff like that is that I'm, I love eating. I wake up in the morning excited about breakfast. I finish breakfast excited about lunch. I finish lunch excited about probably like my snacks um, and then dinner and so on. And I wanted the recipes that would make me excited to eat. And I didn't want it to feel like you're having to give anything up to eat healthy. So I'm like, how do we make enchiladas healthy? How do we make, um, you know, cookies, my best healthy cookies? Like that's like one of my signature recipes and it's the best chocolate chip cookie you've ever had, but it's good for your blood sugar. It's good for your inflammation and all of that. And I love so many things that you just touched on because how do I make the best cookie? And by best, I don't mean like air. I don't mean I'm going to make you skinny. I don't mean that you're going to have to eat crap. What is actually good for your body and what is good for your organs and for well, your system? And desserts are really interesting one because when I was I overthought every part of my cookbook. I think my editor was like, people don't care enough mm-hmm. for you to think this much about everything. But when I was doing the dessert chapter, I was like, what makes dessert unhealthy? And a lot of it has to do with how dessert affects your blood sugar. So the sugar in the dessert spikes your hormone levels. And then you have this sort of uh, the rise and then the crash, Gosh, which affects yeah. your overall uh, hormones in your body via the insulin and in the the insulin spike and crash. And so I was like, if we can minimize that spike and crash, we can make desserts healthier. So the desserts that I did weren't about like taking out calories or anything like that. It was about adding healthy fats, healthy proteins and healthy fibers, which elongate the blood sugar curve and they eliminate that spike and crash. And then you can like have your dessert and still feel really good afterwards. Yeah. And I think that feel is that important word too, because I think when so many people are trying to pick a diet, it's how do I look versus how do I feel? Yeah. Especially my age, especially in the city. Like I just feel like when people are picking, you know, what should I eat for breakfast? They're thinking, how am I going to look in the mirror the next day? Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of things I have to say about that. I mean, I think one is that we live in an age of Instagram culture and people are aspiring for a body that they won't have. I don't have that body. I feel bad about my body when I browse through it. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of these people and I'm like, I'm never going to look like that in a swimsuit. And it took me, and it still honestly takes me a lot of mental processes to be okay with that. Um, But I don't think that having six pack abs is healthy. I think in general, you're overdoing your workouts and you're probably under consuming food to have that type of body. Um, There's a small subset of people that I would say that's not true for, and maybe that's their more natural body type, but definitely for me and my body, I'm curvier. If I have six pack abs or any sort of like super defined Instagram body, I'm probably really dehydrated, Mm -hmm. first of all. And second of all, I'm probably not eating or fueling my body in a way that I want to. So I would much rather learn to love how I feel in my body 
and not always hate on it for how it looks and get to like live my best life. Cause I feel like we're the reason we want to look good. Right. Is cause we think that that's like a ticket to our best life. Oh, 100%. And it's like, I Does think, that actually open doors for you? Right, exactly. I think sort of like yeah. examining in a in a critical way and being like, well, what is what does that actually get me? You know, mm-hmm. and, and where does it go from there? And also, especially from a partner perspective, I'm like, do you think that's when it's going to be what's going to attract you um, a spouse? You don't want somebody who's only going to think you're banging when you're unhealthy. Absolutely, you know? it's you want a long somebody life. Going to be like banging yes. all the time. You want somebody who's going to think you're banging when you're like. I've had the flu and you're like, three uh, days you're getting close to home. Not I've been sick face. all week. <laughs> yes. I'm not at my best. You, right? Yeah. 100%. You know? And I think it's important to say too, that as a fitness trainer, a lot of what I do post, I do have six pack abs, but that being said, a, I've done this for 12 years and I've learned the hard way that my body is not going to look like that all the time. Um, it's your career too. Yes. Like it's also like you work out for a living. Same mm-hmm. as like, I think I say that to people about models and actresses all the time because I work with them through my work and I'm like, their work is their body. Right. And I think that's a very different thing than when your work is not your body, mm-hmm. you know? And also I would argue you probably had a different base body type than 100%. I, as everybody does have a different base body yes. type. So I think it's about leaning into the base body type that you have and then making that body feel as amazing as you possibly can. Right. And there are parts of my body that I don't love and that I'm okay with. How do you deal with them? I accept them truly. And I say that like, it's so easy and it comes off the tongue, but it's really not. And it's a lot of years of like mental work and therapy and understanding and looking at pictures and comparing myself and saying, okay, that is not me, but this is who I am and I'm healthy Yeah, and I can get up and I can do my workouts. And for that reason, I'm good with what I have. I do think really thinking like getting into the physicality of what your body can do is the best uh, antidote to hating how your body looks. Like my favorite thing to do when I'm having a shitty body day is to put on loud 90s music and dance around naked in my apartment with my cat. 90s dance, 90s hip-hop, 90s rock. 90s, like, like Britney Spears, Baxter, what is that? Like the good pop stuff. I, you can tell yeah. you're, like, a fitness instructor because you're like, oh, I know playlists. Like, like, <laughs> I do, very well. I'm also playlists. a former dancer, so, like, we can go be, well, you be on that. Yeah, like the cheesy stuff that, like, a 90s cover band That you know all play. the words. Yeah, that you too. know all the words, yep. too. That's always my complaint when I go out dancing. I'm like, I want to know all the words. Yeah. And I want to be able to, like, shout, sing them in a really tone-deaf way. Um, but that's, I feel like getting to dance and feel the things that your body can do. That's what our bodies are here for. They're not here to be consumed by somebody else's eyeballs. Right. Right. You're not there to please other people. Yeah. 100%. We just got way, I didn't even have to look at my questions list. That's how I know that you're a great guest because we could talk for hours, but I do want to say just that there are so many diets out there and I personally do not follow anything. I think that if my body is capable of eating what I want to eat and then I don't restrict myself. I know that some people feel better on certain diets. There's so many to choose from. And I think that my problem is I don't give myself enough time eating a certain way to understand and analyze how I feel. Mm. So there's so much out there. A, how do you do that research? And B, how do you really give yourself that trial period? Yeah. So I'm not a proponent of diets. I'm a lot bigger fan of finding the specific foods that work for your body. So I'd say if I'm a fan of one diet, it's the elimination diet and it sucks. And I hate recommending it to people because it sucks. It's like 
truly the most boring month of your life, but then you'll know. You basically, so you think a month at a time. Yeah, I think you have to do a month to do a solid elimination diet. I think it's like two to three weeks off, and then you start reintroducing foods after that. And I also think the reintroduction phase is so, so important. I think people are like, oh my God, I'm eliminating all these foods. Because you eliminate the ideas, you eliminate pretty much anything that could be a problem for you. So it's stuff like eggs, gluten, uh, dairy, all those things. But then I think the reintroduction is so, so important because if you reintroduce and your body doesn't have any problems, then you're fine. You can continue right. to enjoy that food. So I'd say instead of having everybody try like keto, vegan, paleo, I would say if you want to try something, and I would also argue if you're not having problems, you don't need to try something. Mm-hmm. Like if you're having issues, if you're having gut issues, if you're having anxiety issues, you're having autoimmune issues. I think it's definitely worth trying something. Um, but if you're feeling great, I don't see the reason to change your diet. But if you're not feeling great, I would say try an elimination diet and see if you don't feel better once you eliminate the things that are problematic for your body. Yeah. And there's so much out there now, but I also think that there are a lot of people who are uninformed. I think it's great that you said things like anxiety and if you're depression and if there's problems with your gut. Like, a lot of people think, oh, well, I get headaches or I'm fatigued or I'm tired. Let me figure out my diet. But it's not just that. It's mood disorders as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think literally if anything feels unright in your body or mind, it's worth looking at your diet because I do think that food is very powerful. Um, but if you're feeling great, I don't think there's any reason not to. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that and transition in. Um you are very open about anxiety, yes. um, having had it before. I have also suffered from it a lot in the past few years. So I felt like the only thing that I was able to do in that moment was kind of one day at a time force myself to be uncomfortable. Also, I tried meditation at the time. It didn't work for me. But it was ultimately telling myself that if I didn't break the cycle and if I didn't build some confidence that I would never lose that anxiety. Mm. So I want you to talk a little bit about your anxiety and I know that meditation had helped you. It did. Um, it's definitely not the only thing. So I, one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I had anxiety. I would say I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely not as severe as it once was. I went through a period where I was completely agoraphobic, um, and I didn't leave the house for about a month. Uh, and oh, even after then, probably for six to eight months, I would only leave for very brief spurts and I'd pretty much have a panic attack every time I left. Um, and I'm obviously not there anymore because I'm sitting at your house. Um, but so my anxiety is definitely gone. I would say I have functional levels of anxiety. I I had a pretty bad panic attack. I wrote about on my Instagram, maybe like a month and a half ago. And it took me aback because I think I'd gotten comfortable with the idea. I wasn't going to have panic attacks that were at least at that level. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it, it, it woke me up and, and sort of made me realize that it's all a process and that that's completely fine and to be a little bit more forgiving with myself. But I'd say for that really intense period, the thing that worked the best for me was one food. I think food played a huge role when I was um, laying in bed with nothing else to do and just my computer. I sort of used the journalist skills that I'd already, I'd been a, I'd worked for newspapers and magazines since I was 15. Um, and I started like emailing sources and asking them for, you know, would this, how does this food affect your brain? And so I like emailed the uh, director of neuropsychology at Stanford and asked him a bunch of questions and he replied, which is awesome. I also yeah. think it's really like 
I'm a big fan of like, if you have questions, like reach out to people because they might just find answers. answers. Yeah. Everything is at your literal fingertips. Yeah. So I did that and I sort of concocted a, a food plan that I thought would work for me. And then I started cooking it. And that's sort of where I started recipe developing and where all of that came into in my life. So um, I'd say that was really huge. And then for me, structure plays a giant role. I uh, started having really severe anxiety at a time where I left my full-time job to work for myself. Mm -hmm. And I was living in London. I moved to London because my husband got into a grad school program there. Um, And so I didn't have any community and I didn't have any structures. I think structure and community are huge. There's not, it's not a surprise that I've, you know, called my book Healthier Together and my podcast Healthier Together because I think that community is one of the most underlooked things in mental health and then wellness in general. I think that uh, we are suffering from a dearth of community. We have an epidemic of loneliness in our time and we're also, we're, we're, we're feel, we feel like we should be like ashamed to talk about it, you know, to be like, I wish I had more friends or I'm in my thirties and I don't feel like I have that best girlfriend yet or something like that. And I think we're told it's okay to feel like that about a romantic partner and to spend all of our, and like we can be on the apps and we can I'm so do yeah. all of this stuff to, to procure one. Um, but if you do have friends, you're like weird and desperate. And so I think we have a lot of people who don't have a lot of friends. And during that time in England, I was very much one of them and it uh, had huge impacts on my health. So I think both mentally and physically. And so I think that now if I could do like one thing in this world, it'd be to make people feel okay about um, saying that they're lonely and then to try to empower them to, to fix that. Yeah. And I think the more sources that can provide messages like that, and it's something that I hope that this podcast does as well, is create an authentic view of how other people are feeling and how other people view wellness and anxiety and that in turn is going to make other people feel better Yeah, because I think it's so important. Not only is there a lack of community, but when there is community, at least in the digital world on Instagram, there's a falsified message there. Yeah. And sometimes people are portraying things that things are wonderful and that's not actually the case. So it's not only creating community, but creating community that's truthful. Well, and I think this is really interesting. I think I thought a lot about like that Instagram question of, um, portraying things that are too positive versus think how things really are. And I really do think it's a balance because Mm -hmm. when I put forward, I'm a big, like sort of fake it till you make it person. Mm -hmm. Um, It's worked really well in my career. It's worked really well in my life. And um, at my birthday party recently, we have this like birthday tradition where everybody goes around and they say something that they love about the birthday person. And I make people do it on my birthday, but I also make people do it on I do that with my friends, birthday. too. Okay, it's so fun. Yeah. No. This There's is so always, funny. like, a few people who are, like, ah. No. Um, I sit there and I go, mm-hmm. and everybody goes around the table. Yeah, I love funny. it. So I do it for me, but I also do it for everybody else. I'm not just, like, a terrible it's a great birthday human tradition. being. I love it. Um, and at my birthday, everybody was kind of saying how, like, empowered I made them feel. Just, like, all of these things about me that I hadn't seen in myself, but I'd been almost trying to like pretend to be. And it was really interesting to me that in the pretending to be that I had sort of become those things. I'd become the person that I wanted to be. And I think that Instagram in some ways and social media gives you that opportunity. If you're focusing on these really positive, wonderful moments of gratitude and light in your day, you can sort of change your perspective to focus on those moments. And I think that there's a huge opportunity there. That said, 
I think you need to be aware, particularly if you have an audience, of how people are interpreting that. And so I really try to strike a balance. I try to show my realist, real self. I talk about my panic attacks. I talk about things I'm uh, ashamed of, all of that type of stuff. But I also try to say, you know, amidst all of those darker things, let's look for the moments of light so that we can sort of move ourselves into that place. Yeah, I think it's important to be inspirational and I think it's important to connect on those messages as well. I think it's more the people that are saying, you know, this is me on a Friday and I got eight hours of sleep and my hair and my makeup is done and my best friends are here going out tonight and look at the cute outfit that I bought. Yeah. That that is where I think it becomes dangerous. Yeah, well, I think it's I think like any story, um, the more it's told from a single perspective, mm-hmm. and it, the worse it is. I think that the more we can recognize that all stories, I mean, I think if we could do this in a national level, the the discourse would be much different. I'm sure. Um, but <laughs> I I think the more we can recognize that all stories have many facets. Yeah. And I think that brings me into my next question. So your podcast, Healthier Together, it's about sharing information to ultimately lead a happier and healthier life. And who are you grateful that shared info with you and kind of let you in that inspired you to become who you are? Yeah. Um, I haven't, I, you know, it's probably one of my biggest laments in my life is that I haven't had like a mentor. I've wanted to have a mentor for a very long time. And I always ask this on my podcast when people feel like they have great mentorships and like, how did you get your mentor? Um, and I, yeah, so I haven't yet come across that, but stories have been prof- profoundly impactful in my life. I was a huge reader growing up. I still am a huge reader. So I would say that um, fic- I, I grew up in a pretty small town. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona until I was 14 and oh, then wow. Modesto, California after that. And I think I even got the idea for the types of things I could do for my life from, from fictional characters and the stories that I was reading. And I was an only child and... You know, I I was raised by two parents with very sort of standard. They're both uh, clinical psychologists. And, you know, I just, I got the idea that I could live a different kind of life from these fictional characters. And that um, I think almost because I was presented with so many versions of what was possible in these alternative realities, I got the idea that anything was possible in my own reality. And that's been hugely transformative for me. Um... My life motto is to never be the one to say no to yourself, that there's to always make somebody else say I no to you. Yeah. yeah. And I like really follow it down. So I'm like, if you like literally find a person to say no to you, if you have an idea, like there's somebody out there who will either say yes or no, just go ask them. And more often than people think they'll say yes. And I think I got that a lot from just being like, why not me? And I think that came from books. That's amazing. Everybody should read books. And <laughs> never say no message. to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Never say no to yourself, but also read books. Books yeah. are so good for people. I write the the fiction column for Mind, Body, Green. Um, and it's like among my favorite things that I do. I just think that reading is like, I, I know I sound like an NBC, you know, morning special, <laughs> but I just think reading so important. And good for you and a good time killer. And it's, it's, it's literally meditative. Phone. You activate. So my husband did part of his grad school research on this, but you you activate the same parts of your brain as meditating because really? almost anything else you're doing, because it's a, it's mindful. Yeah. Like, so if you're watching a TV show, one, you're bombarding a number of your senses, but two, you're also probably on your phone and you're scrolling and like almost any other thing you're doing, you're doing multiple things at once. And more so in today's day and age where you're like, listen to a podcast while you're cooking. But like, 
I behoove you to try to do something else while you're reading. Or if you are, then you're not comprehending. Yeah, you're like rereading that same line over and over. How do you feel? Just curious. There's all these apps out there, you know, like CEOs read one book a week, listen to this book, and get the key points in 12 minutes. So I think that works for um, like self help books or like uh, how to books. Mm -hmm. But the type of reading I'm talking about is fiction. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think the the books that you get lost in. I think that fiction creates empathy. Uh, there's been so many studies about how fiction creates empathy more than anything else on the planet. And I think because you're literally inside somebody else's head in a way that you cannot be in reality. And so I right. think that that tool, like working your empathy muscle benefits you in every element of your life. Yeah. That's great. So let's just go back to food before we wrap up. How are we doing on time? We are oh, at 24 minutes. Oh, perfect. Okay. So you had mentioned this in the beginning. Oh, yep. So you had mentioned this in the beginning, and it, it's funny that you had said mushrooms because I have a whole cabinet of some kind of adaptogen powders for every possible need that I, to be honest, don't know what to do with in my kitchen. But there's so many things, and we were talking about CBD oil before, but more nutrition-wise, it's a healthy buzzword. It's something that you're told you need to be eating. What is one thing taking media aside that I should actually be putting into my body. That's a simple thing that I can do without having a perfect diet, but I know it's good for me. Uh, Leafy greens, a hundred percent. So, which is so simple. Yeah. Well, and also, so my thing I say, I always say to everybody, I got my dad doing this, which I'm very proud of. Um, And his cholesterol went from his doctor wanting to put him on statins to being like, you're totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's to swap your breakfast for a green smoothie. I'm a huge fan of it. I have a zillion recipes for it on my Instagram. I have a thing in my book called The Ode to the Perfect Morning Breakfast, something like that. But it's basically like an ode to green smoothies because I think if you swap out your breakfast for a green smoothie, one, um, it takes way less time than any other breakfast you could make other than like grabbing a croissant. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, it takes like less than five minutes and that includes the cleanup. Two, uh, you're getting more vegetables before 9 a.m. than most people get in an entire That's week. Right. Yeah. And three, it can, it'll can it make you feel inspired to make better choices for the rest of your day because you're going to feel so good from having that green smoothie that you're just going to be like, oh, I don't want to like eat this crappy food at lunch. Right. You'll want to do other – to eat something that's going to feel better in your body. And I'm all about having changing what we want to do rather than making us feel like we have to do more stuff. So, and also for, they taste delicious. Like I do. I love green smoothies. They're so good. You can make them taste like milkshakes. I think I'm actually going to like call them like milkshakes for breakfast in my next book. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, yeah, you can do, I do like a Mexican hot chocolate one. I have like an orange creamsicle one. Like I love, I'm sharing a pumpkin pie one on Monday. Um, I like, I love playing around with the different flavor profiles. I get excited about them, you know, I just think. It's a breakfast you'll be excited about. It's a breakfast that's easy to make consistent. And I think that just making that one choice will transform your health and make you excited about taking other steps for your health. I love that so much. So basically, if you missed it, what she said was that in all of the things, it wasn't the collagen, it wasn't the adaptogens, it wasn't the CBD, it wasn't the... X, Y, and Z of all of these different supplements that you should be taking, which I'm sure are fantastic for you. But if you can't do it all, don't stress out and eat a donut. Have a smoothie for breakfast. Well, and to speak to the supplement thing for a second, I also would ask people to, I think anytime you're taking something, there should be a reason for it. Mm -hmm. So I'd ask people to look at their supplement cabinet and they should be able to trace every single thing in there to something that they're hoping to resolve or solve in their body. 
And if they can't do that, that shouldn't be something that they're putting in their body. If they're taking it because it's something that they read about that's cool, that their friend is benefiting from, that's not a reason to take it in your body. Right. And way less expensive. Yes. (laughs) And that too. Where can people find you? Uh, Yeah, so I'm for Magic Words. If you remember Healthier Together and Liz Moody, you've got me everywhere. So it's a Healthier Together podcast, the Healthier Together cookbook, which is available wherever books are are sold. And then um, I'm Liz Moody on Instagram and I'm LizMoody.com. Amazing. And this is Julia Stern. You can find me on all social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Julia L. Stern. This is not my best podcast. Stop trying to live your best life. Start actually living a better one. Thank you. Thank you.